Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we conclude our discussion of Richard II, uh, talking about the themes and language of the show. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Shakespeare and at Shakespeare Pod. And now, on with the show. Alright, well, in speaking uh, of shit, speaking we're doing Richard II. Are we, are we, have we been recording? Yo, we've been recording for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I told you I Podcast. I'm Ryan Halfill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. <laughs> and I'm Chase Greenley. And let's talk about Richard II. Oh, buddy. So we did go through the, the, the plot of yes. Richard II last time. Such as it is, um, what little plot there is that is mostly completely covered by the end of Act 2. Yeah. It's not well, that there's no. it's not that there's little plot, it's that it's a very straightforward succinct plot and there's not a lot of subplots going on. But we didn't have a problem with that when it came to like Midsummer Night Dream though. Midsummer well, Night was a pretty straightforward Well, but there's but three mid- stories Midsummer going on. Midsummer has three stories that are happening. This has yeah. this has one. And this yeah, this has the story of Bowling Brook versus yeah. Dick 2. So it's it's not that there's no plot, it's that there's there's just one, which is kind of unusual for It's very Shakespeare, unusual for Shakespeare. But it is a history, and so... Though this was, uh, when first printed, the tragedy of Richard II, yeah. because often his histories were listed as tragedies until eventually they were listed as histories. I mean, y- I mean usually it's end. tragic for the central character, so... He, yeah. Well, especially in the histories. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to die. He just kind of went, I'm going to go die over here and eat my dinner. Hey, I'm going to go walk over there and die. Pass aggressive. Any, anybody give a shit? Nope. Nope. Nobody. Does nobody. Nobody cares that I'm going to go over there and die. Ryan. No, I'm Richard II right now. Meh. Whatever you were, you should stop. <laughs> Hey guys! Nope, that's not stopping. It's the opposite of stopping. All right. Beth wants me to stop being Richard II. Kind of at this point, I want you to go to the bathroom and just die. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is that is him though. He's like he's like the, the, the worst kind of Eeyore. He throws up the white flag of surrender, really, without much of a fight. There he is gives, no fight. There's no fight between him and Bolingbroke. He he gives a lot of bluster where he's like, I'm the king. I rule by divine right. And then somebody comes up and whispers. It's like, you have no support. Everyone has turned against you. And he goes, well, fine then. And then he surrenders. Just me and God over here believing that I know not even him. All right. Nope, not even God anymore, huh? I guess, guess I'll go sit in my room. And die. <laughs> All right. I'm going to Duchess of Gloucester. <laughs> So, there are a couple of running themes through Richard II that we should talk about, and one Mm -hmm. of them is the divine right of kings. Right. 
Uh, and the other is um, the agency over your own life and the ability to just be like, no, nah, I'm going to go die. Well, and those two things are definitely connected because if you think about if you are the king and you believe that you have this divine right to be sitting on the throne, then in some ways that kind of lessens the agency that you take over your own life, or at least it lessens the accountability that you sometimes can take for your own actions. Because it's easy to fall back on the, well, God put me here. Right. So this is so, a, this is actually the problem I have uh, when we start talking about, in American literature, when we start talking about uh, Puritan, uh, well, Puritan poetry and Puritan literature, mm-hmm. is this... <clears throat> like divine uh, prescript to yeah. life that God has put everything in this particular path so this is God's will me being on the throne is God's will he it means you don't have to take any responsibility for the things that are going on in your life whether it's the fact that you're king or squandering a nation's fortune or starting a war with Ireland for no good reason God put you here he's got my back it will be fine. And I think that comes alive in this play when you look at all of these people who sit around going, yeah, I don't like what Richard II is doing. I don't think he's behaving in the way that the people would really want him to. And yeah, Henry's making a lot more sense and seems like he would be a better king. But uh, God put Richard on that throne. Well, and Richard Richard represents the medieval view of the monarchy, the divine right, and Henry represents the more a more modern view, where it's not just bloodline, but intel, intellect and political savvy, and you know that's what makes a good king, not just the fact that, well, uh, you know. My dad fucked my mom, and so because of that, God said I'm king. Mm-hmm. Which was England for a long time. It was. I mean... And so we have <laughs> Bolingbroke. For a very, very, very long time, it is. And even Bolingbroke is... He's still descended of that bloodline. Yeah, so there is still a divine right there, because he's Edward III's blood in him. Yeah, but still... Vials of it. Vials. Vials of it. But he's not... He is not... Claiming that divine right as to why he should be sitting on the throne. No, he should be sitting on the throne. He has a right to the throne through succession. Through succession because of bloodline. And he should be on the throne because he is better for. He is world. smarter. Now. He is. He is smarter. He is stronger. And gosh darn it, people like him. But I think that that the divine right aspect being so ingrained in English society is part of the reason he was able to depose is because people could say, oh, but he still has that bloodline. He yes. still has... Yes. Oh, wait, it he wasn't, for, yeah. yeah. He wasn't like an unknown coming on trying to... No, to no, he wasn't, he wasn't he some had, rando. He was still of the bloodline. Uh, he still had a right of secession, succession, you know, as the heir presumptive anyway. So, and this particular piece makes this play timely for when it was written... Um, because we have Elizabeth I with no children, just like Richard II has no children. And they're starting to talk about how 
like as she is getting older, how succession play, is going yeah, to work. When this play yeah. is written, she is getting much older. How is it going to to flow along? And we've got like I'm not saying old Queen Bess wasn't doing a good job, but we do have to. They had to start looking at who was it going to be next. Yeah, and and you also think about the convoluted path to get. James. Elizabeth, yeah. well, and to get Elizabeth to the throne, mm-hmm. if when you think about right to rule and inheritance and well, there was an blood, entire right. act, because, the right of inher- the right yeah. of succession act that would have put her on the throne had they yeah because it. you had King Henry and his six wives and then the one child by the one wife and then declared Ill- illegitimate and then. Elizabeth by the second wife and declared illegitimate and then the son and like the the hoops that were gone through to put yeah to put Elizabeth on the throne to get Elizabeth to that place but now we need to bring James in and James they share a common what's James's great-grandfather her grandfather yeah so it's not that far off from the Edward III right connection there um, well, yeah, they but, by, they bypassed around some. Yeah, yeah. And well, they, I mean, they didn't bypass anybody. I mean, you're skipping over the Bolins who don't have a right to it anyway. No, but they they, they found the right workaround. Yeah, basically. So, so this play takes a moment to look at how the current succession is going to happen. It's really difficult to talk about with a couple beers. The current succession is going to happen, and how important. The next person who's coming up is politically savvy, and James the first was politically savvy. Yeah. And it's an interesting to note that I think goes along with this the way Richard the second is versus the way uh, Henry four one, Henry four two, Henry five are more relaxed mm-hmm. uh, plays is the formality. Of the way that Richard II is written. Yeah, the whole thing's in verse. If the entirety of the play is in verse, which we do not get there is, very often. Henry speaks only in blank verse through it, if you take a look at it. Like, yes. Everybody else, like, well, he, he's very formal, direct with what he's saying. There's formal yeah. verse, which but is... He speaks the, like, only in blank. It's very, very formal, this play is. In general, overall, the, the the writing is very formal. The heralding, mm-hmm. the writing, the oh, the deathbed speech. Every, every, but everything everything about this play is written very formally. And then when you move when we move forward, we move into the Hollow Crown. We move into you know four one, four two, and then five. The language is much less formal. Oh yeah, but I think that that theme idea carries through. Of is it enough to just be of the right bloodline, or do you have to have more to be? Well, I think I think that's what I, that's, I guess that's the point I'm getting at with with the way the language is tying into it is is the divine right is the the formality the all in verse that is you know like, and it's an answer you don't get until the next play really you don't get it in Richard the Second but Richard the Second the way it's written is that old. Style. It's that the that medieval view of things, the divine right, and that's represented by everything's formal, everything's in verse. And then when you get to Henry the Fourth, everything is a lot more relaxed. The formality is you're relaxed. It is not all in verse and everything like that. And so that goes along with what we're talking about with the divine right and then the progression 
which happens afterwards when you get with Bolingbroke, of, okay, yes, bloodline, yeah, sure, okay, I'm descended. Did we, did we ever mention that Bolingbroke, in this particular episode, I don't think we've mentioned that Bolingbroke is Henry IV, that when he takes the crown... He takes the mantle. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, sorry. I'm, Henry, I'm sorry, Henry, I just wanted to take a yeah, second. Henry, Hel- Henry Bolingbroke, when he becomes King of England, is Henry IV. Yes. Listen, it's just an important thing to note when we're talking about the next place they're coming with Henry, we're talking about Henry IV I, which is a little less formal, and Henry IV II, which is a lot less formal. Oh, yeah, IV-II is way less formal. And then we get into... Well, and then five. five. I mean, we get some of that formality back, but that's because Hal is a king, you know. He's, because He's way more entertaining as not a king. Prince Hal is more entertaining. Prince Hal is more entertaining, but King Henry V is... uh, And I have a personal bias bias towards that play is when we get to doing that one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so... So... Richard... The language of Richard II is interesting in, in that it... It is all in verse, and it is all very formal, and... We've talked in the past, Cassie, you've talked a lot in the past about how he denotes class. But we're really not ever talking to anybody of a lower class in this. No, There but is I no think, fool. There is no... I think in extending this to the plays that are to come and knowing what I know about those and those characters and this continuing theme of is it enough to just be chosen by God or do you need something more? And we've talked a little bit about how Henry Bolingbroke displays, I am smarter, I am more intelligent, I am, you know, and I I think that comes across in his direct manner of speaking versus this very flowery court manner of speaking, because it's easy to hide a lack of intelligence behind these flowery words and declarations that have already been put down for you by somebody else, and you're just taking them on for yourself and you can by just adding more words to what you're saying and these long descriptions so, so you're it's saying like the more being you quote as, people the better you sound yeah but it's like BSing an English paper I'm very good at that you you take this core simple idea and you expand it and expand it and expand it to make people think that you're more intelligent than you are well, whereas Henry just says no this is the core idea so he rings more true in a way. Well, that's I think to go along with that, and part of the the thing where the, the reason I brought up the verse and we talked about, you know, like I wanted to make sure that we talked about it, is there are only four of Shakespeare's plays that are written entirely in verse. Three of them are in the Henriad. Yeah. Which is Richard the Second, Henry six one, and Henry six three. That's okay. What's the yeah? Why not the second one? And the other one is King John. Fucking King John. So they're all histories. They are all histories. You know what? I'm am gonna go out on a limb here. I don't think King John's the worst history. You think it's I think Henry the Sixth? I don't because know. Because I'd be willing to, to say to Henry the Sixth. Because as we do all of these histories through, I think that we should keep like a running tab. Oh no! Yeah, keep, keep an open mind about. Yeah. See, at least with King John, King John, I liked the bastard. He uh, entertained yeah, the me. Yeah. Um, the whole like complete farce of Arthur's death is hilarious. I don't know if it's intended to be, but it was super entertaining. I didn't really like 
this wasn't a bad play. It I don't think Richard the Second was a bad play. It wasn't a bad play, but it, there wasn't anything to really be play. like. No, it, it was. I do think the passive aggressive blue ball play is a great <laughs> subtitle for it. Yeah, I think my favorite part of this play though would have to be. The Duchess of Gloucester. Yeah. And <laughs> See, I'm gonna go die in the next room. I told you it's my favorite part of the entire play. I'm it peaks early for Beth. I'm gonna go die now. And and Cassie apparently as well. It peaks early. It peaks early. I've got to pull up an exact quote now. I mean, it peaks early for me as well, but that's because I think the best thing in the entire play is that John Gaunt speech. Yeah. That that monologue from Gaunt is the best thing that happens in this entire play. And it's in the first act? Second act. Second act, I think. Beginning of the second act. You know, somewhere in the middle of the second act. But yeah, it's in the second act, and it's like, okay, well, I got what I came for. This is, I, this is the best the yeah. best piece of words in the entire thing. I guess I'll go home at intermission, then. Yeah. I guess oh. I'll go die now. <laughs> oh, here we go. Farewell, old gaunt. Thy sometime brother's wife, with her companion's grief, must end her life. I'm just gonna go die now. Jeez. Seek out sorrow that dwells everywhere. Desolate, desolate, I hence and die. Come on. I'm just gonna leave and die. I think that if somebody came into my life and acted like that, I'd be like, fine, go then. Good then. I'm gone then. Do it. Good. 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 Great. I'm kidding. I would sit with them. I'd call a series of suicide hotlines and try to get them some counseling. But man, I'm just going to go die now. I'm going to hold my breath. Ooh, we haven't done that yet. It's a teenage daughter. That's, yeah. That's Ooh, you got that. I know. I'm, I'm coming up on that in, you know, another ten years. Oh. Not quite ten. Eight. Eight, I guess. I'm excited. Yeah, that's right, you have teenage boys to deal with, and that's a whole different ball game. Enough deodorant and I'll buy extra hand towels. So we've got we've got this okay, so first of all, Gloucester and then I'm just gonna go die. Everybody just goes and dies. Nobody dies on on stage in this. No. Nobody dies on stage. Which is not typical of Shakespeare, which means it's something we have to note. It's not typical of Shakespeare, especially not in a history or a tragedy, which I mean, it was originally billed as a tragedy. Blood sells tickets! Where's the blood? We don't even get the fight. The fight is even truncated when we've got... Oh, because we're about to get the there's fight. About, there's going to be a joust. They're jousting. They're, they're going to put their lances through each other. They're ready to fuck some yeah, shit up. they're praying and to God like, who's God's side going to be whoa, on. Whoa, yeah. hold on a second. And then... You're going to... You get banished? And, and you, you get, get banished? banished? Everybody gets banished. Yeah. So, if you're not showing anybody's death at all, what, what are you saying then about this particular cycle, this particular king. Because we know that we see deaths through the next Henry's. Mm-hmm. There are deaths on stage, but not in this one. Everybody makes their own choice to just stop and die. I'm just going to go over there and die. Yeah, so does this lend to Richard's decision to put down his claim to the crown? Decide it off, that he just gives up? And there are so many people who are just giving up. So what? What does well, it say? Well, that there when, are the, when no the man, deaths? when the man that believes in divine right 
is starting to realize that his right might not be as divine as he thinks it is. That's why he quits. That's at least for Richard. That's why. Because oh, I've got the Welsh. Well, you see what happened was they Welshed on that deal. They did. And the Welsh. Thank you. The Welsh are like, well, we didn't have you. Know, you call us, man. Next time, call us. If we'd have known you was still alive, proof of life, man. We need a we need a picture of you holding today's newspaper, or because we told we found out we thought you were dead, man. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know you were dead. We were we were gonna come if we had known it was you. We were gonna come. I promise. We've been there right away. <laughs> I promise, man. We were totally coming. Uh, that's what they said to Isildur as well. <laughs> that's how you get an entire cursed kingdom to come fight with you against the forces of Sauron. Just in case you were wondering. Right. I was not It's a good protest. Is that what Richard II was doing? Is he amassing a zombie army for his several generations? That's really what Aragorn was doing in The Return of the King. But I think it lends... The army of the dead wasn't zombies anyway, it was ghosts. It was. That's fair. Is it? Sure. It, I don't know. It, I'm really tired. Oh, Cassie really does tired. look like she looks like she's, she's so tired now. Now's the time where I should just talk her into doing a Lord of the Rings podcast. With well, no, you know, now if Cassie's tired, then it's time to play Ryan's favorite game. Oh, yay! <laughs> Cassie, try <laughs> this beer! Does it have a name now? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, yes. that's the, it's the name okay, of the game. What am I drinking? This is Red Fox ESB. Uh, ESB means extra special bitter. Oh, that English. doesn't sound like something I'm going to enjoy hey, at no, all. No, just super English, just like B- you. Bitter is a misnomer, but it is an English-style beer. Uh, a pub beer from England. Uh, but it was brewed here in Ohio. Cassie's approaching the beer. Now we're going to play-by-play commentary. She looks slightly nervous. She sniffed it. Oh, she's putting it down laughing. Hold on. She has to get her composure back. You have to stop. <laughs> All right, Beth, Beth, you have to stop so Cassie can play Drink This Beer. Time to sit. Oh, oh and it's a joke! And, and it's a joke! she gags! Her tongue is sticking out. She cannot believe she made this mistake again. Here, quick, wash it down with that. And we played the game of Cassie, Drink, drink This beer. beer! She never likes it. You guys really have to be consistent with what the game is called. Cassie! Drink this beer. That's the name of the game. Mm, it's whatever we call it. That it really is. I mean, but yeah, show. if I remember that next time we record, then that'll be the name of it. But if I don't remember, we'll make up a name again next time. All right. But Sounds it's my favorite game of the podcast. Yeah. Do we have more than one game of the podcast? Uh, Beth and I compete against each other with who brought the beer most fitting. I think. Fair. I think I did. I think I did. I, I, I purely, I purely went English. You just went English. I went so I'm, I'm, I'm conceding that you know the dark truth does definitely fit. Richard the Second killed Gloucher. Gloucher. <laughs> Gloucher. Who the fuck is Gloucher? It's a tetrangle. Um, Gloucher. Is that was main... at least closer than most of your attempts tonight. Gloucher to is say the tetralogy. main character. 
Um, and the whole thing, <laughs> the, the whole the, thing's it's run the gla- by... It's the Gloucher Tetrangle. It's the Gloucher Tetrangle. It's like the Bermuda Triangle. Only you get stuck but inside But Beth there. is drunk. It's a room, it's a room with a moose. <laughs> and there's a moose. Oh, we're closed. The moose should have told you. <laughs> Eating walnuts. It's the worst. So, so the, gla- the, glou- the Gloucher Tetrangle. Gloucher? No, it was Gloucester. The Gloucester. Gloucester. Tetrangle. Gloucester was murdered by Richard II. Yeah, or that's your, caused dark, to that's be your dark truth. So that, no, it is. Even that's, going that's, into the fight, he knew. Well, he knew that, Mowbray was innocent of that, at least. Well, yeah, but he also then knew that his cousin was starting shit to start shit with this guy. Because this guy's being a dickwit. And so well, he's looking he for whatever he can throw at him. Bowling, Bolingbroke wasn't starting shit with Mowbray just to start shit. Mowbray was doing things that were wrong and bad. 18 years of treason. I know, exactly. 18. So Bolingbroke is like, no, seriously, this guy. Like, seriously, this guy. Well, and I think that that can be used as a demonstration of Henry's interest in being king or his better ability to be king because the the feeling that you get from those first few scenes with Richard is that he doesn't care. Oh, it really, he yeah, doesn't he does care not. about this. It's like this guy's been betraying me and stealing money from the poor people. I don't care. Yeah. And Henry's whole point is you're the king you're supposed to. Like if anybody <laughs> is supposed to care, it's you, dickbag. Yeah. But you see his advisors well, yeah, the law firm of Bushy Baggin Green. Green. Do we cheat them how? Bushy Baggin Green. Yeah, that's right. Do we cheat them how? They, they, they are all for Richard letting everybody go and just banish, banished. Banished. You shall be banished. But I don't. Spe- I only speak English. But, yeah, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and I only speak English. How am I? I won't ever be able to talk ever again. Well, not with that attitude. (laughs) That's right. Not with that attitude. Sucks to suck. Sucks to suck. And then later we find out that he dies off stage as well in the Crusades. Yeah, Yeah, Mowbray. Because during the the deposition, they try to get him back to testify against Richard II. And they're like, oh, no, he he died. See, what happened And even Bushy and Green die off stage, too. Yeah. They are executed by Bolingbroke, but yes, that is not on stage. So, there aren't many Shakespeare plays where no one dies. Well, no, there aren't. Well, stage. It, the, it's not a comedy. There's lots of comedies, I guess. That there, there are okay. There are not many Shakespeare plays where when someone dies, everyone that dies is off stage. Yeah. Because yeah, there's a lot of comedies where no one dies. Right. But in plays where people die, which there are many. At least eight. There are not a whole lot of them where all that dying is done off stage. Right. So the, so the meaning behind that is something I think I'm going to think about for a while to figure out exactly what I think. Well, I mean, you'll have more opportunities to continue with this, too, because, I mean, Richard II carries into Henry IV Part One. But we're not yeah. doing... Yeah, we've got to figure out what we're doing next, but it's not going to be Henry. Well, no, Henry IV Part One is still... We're going to at least... It'll skip a skip a series yeah. of episodes. Yeah, we... We'll, we'll do something else in between every history like we've talked. Maybe we'll go back and do Eddie Three. No. No. We'll, we'll hit any three at some point. We do a history, then we do anything but a history. Then we do a history, then we do anything but a history. Well, we'll, we'll go back and hit any three at some point, but since we're in 
the Henriette. I like that he's on a first name base with them. They can call them like Ricky and Ricky. We called him Dick too earlier. Dicky too. <laughs> Dicky too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Can we talk briefly about the women in this play? Yeah. Of which yeah. there are not many. So briefly, because there aren't any. Because there aren't any. We've got the Duchess of, Duchess yeah, of Gloucester. Yeah, we've discussed Gloucester. quite a bit. And then we've Gloucester. Queen Isabel. Queen Isabel. And then we also have... Isn't there another Duchess? No. It's just the two of them. It's just the two of them, I think. So, and Queen Isabel... The Duchess of York. Yeah, that's why I, I thought we had another Duchess in there. Which is, uh, funny enough... Not actually even the Duchess of York historically at the time, but a composite of York's wives. Well, because you never know which one. Because there was Infanta Isabella and also his second wife, uh, Joan Holland. And wife of Gloucester, Duchess of York, is basically like they took both of those women historically and smushed them together. And they actually did the same thing with the Duchess of Gloucester. Or not, not the Duchess of Gloucester. They did that with, with the Queen. Because so, Richard had two wives. So, but Queen Isabel, the, the thing that I would note for her well, is... Because she's, she's not Queen Isabella. She's just the Queen because she's actually a composite of Anne of Bohemia and Queen Isabella. Bohemia. So, what I would note about the Queen then, actually... Because Isabella was a child when Richard died. Oh, right. I understand. Well, she was. I understand. She was like 10. I understand. Anyway, sorry. Okay. So, what I would note would be that she is sitting around, she's wringing her hands, this is a bad feeling, I don't like what's going to happen, something bad's going to happen, this isn't going to turn out well, and then they come and they get her and they're like, hey, you need to come with us to the king so that you're safe. And that's it. Like, and then the, the queen has no. And then later she's sent to France. Yeah, well, she has no. Sent back to France whatsoever. when Richard is deposed, and I just every time, you know, she was on the page, I was like, I don't know why this character is here. Yeah, did you just actually? A lot of times when people do Richard the Second, they cut a lot. Well, because you can, because her scenes, the scenes that she's in, are not important. The Duchess of York has more to do because the Duchess of York at least goes in front of. Henry and pleads for her son's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the queen, um, the queen doesn't. She maybe could be a foreshadowing that something bad is going to happen. But at that point in the play, you don't know that Richard's not going to make it out okay. Then you haven't watched a whole lot of plays, <laughs> and you don't know how plot works. And you forgot history. Yeah. Which again, and we talked about this with King John. Is this would not have been unknown to the general public. They would yeah, have had would, some knowledge of yeah. Richard II and what happened to him. And well, Richard, Richard II was, was even more recent in their minds than King John would have been. Yeah, because this is about... By 161 years. 161 years, yes, because yes, I did my research. But about... It, it, this was only this was only just shy of two hundred years before Shakespeare was writing this play. Yeah, and just so as this we is... know the things that George Washington did, yeah, they would have known the things that Richard II did. So people what? know what's coming, and yes, Little they're, they're that Richard always, II did. There always needs to be. It sounded like he did a lot. 
It just was really. There was a peasant stupid. uprising. There was the hundred years. Okay, yeah, he, yeah. Okay, well, he did some things that were just stupid because there was a peasant. Well, Johnson uprising. gets credit for ending the Vietnam War. So Richard II can have credit for ending. Johnson the gets credit for whipping his dick out everywhere. That's yeah. not what I meant by Johnson. No, literally, that's what Lyndon Baines Johnson did all the time. He fucking whipped his dick out to everybody. Is he your hero? No, I don't like whipping my dick out. I don't need to share that thing around. God, I hope not. All right, so the women in this play, they are here for exposition backdrop. Mm -hmm. That's it. They are someone for us to bounce the exposition, for men to bounce the exposition. Well, like that's because that's what that's what the Duchess of Gloucester is there for. It's John Gaunt bouncing the ex- exposition off of her. That's what the to queen, make sure the audience knows what's what actually going for. on. Richard isn't in England; he's in Ireland. So we show the Queen at the castle going, "Who? This doesn't feel good." And then they come in and they can tell her some news of what Richard's doing. She's an exposition yep, yep, backslash. Yeah. yeah, they have they have no agency of their own. They make no decisions of their own. Except for Gloucester who says she's going to go <laughs> off and die. You're going to find this is the case throughout the entirety of the Henry cycle. Well, no, in the histories, yeah. It, there's a reason when Travis directed Henry V, he cut all the French scenes. Yep. <laughs> was, like, all, the, all the, the, the romance scenes, at least. You know, the... Because in the end, they still don't speak each other's language, but we'll try to make it work. Well, no, and and because you can you can remove that entire part of the play, and it doesn't change the play, but that's because that's the way it was written. Mm-hmm. You know, you it was written like as if, as if that was an afterthought, just to add exposition. Yeah. So that's that's the role I think of women in this play. They're just something for the men to spit the exposition at. Yeah. And then balance a little bit of color which is, commentary. Which is terrible, because Shakespeare's better so, than that. Uh, it, it, clearly he is. Clearly we've talked about other women who are great examples of agency, that they would stand up to agency standards for now. Um, yeah, there's some that uh, definitely would. I guess there's, every once in a while you're not going to have a play that's going to have great female characters, but this isn't well, 12 Angry Men. It's, it's also, this is a history and historically historically women have a problematic role and we're fixing that now right Ryan? I hope so smash the patriarchy absolutely smash it but it's a far cry I think from King John where you have Eleanor yes basically arranging everything to her liking well, Ele- even Constance that's, that's and... because Eleanor historically though oh yeah no yeah. she was well you get the women in this awesome. play is compared to the women in King John yeah the women in King John were smart yes and capable and the women in this play are one dimensional there and they're going to leave the room and die I didn't get my way so I'm going to die well that, and that's the thing it is historically there was a basis for Eleanor that was a woman who didn't take shit and you know well even even if these aren't literal figures they are no they but they should they yes there's no effort put into their kids no they should have been written better or left out because it's almost better if he had left them out and then they're not shitty characters representation is important no no and i agree and i i agree that's not the that's not the point i'm 
trying to make. 15th, I'm saying... 16th century representation? <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's, that's not the point I'm trying to make, is that he didn't do them any favors by including them in the play. It was almost better had he just not written them. Then we wouldn't... You know, like, well, there would be us, no notion that we would have us, to fight across with them. It just gives us a moment to sit back and say, hey, look at how women here are not objectified, but treated as mm-hmm. objects. Shadow. Well, I mean, well, yeah, the queen is definitely shadow, um, but they're a tool yeah, for it, the narrative it, and nothing else. Yeah, it, it gives us that ability, but it's, it's, the, they should have been treated better. So, yeah. Well, women always should be treated better. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, don't start yawning. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin. Yeah, we've hit midnight, therefore. Oh, yeah. it's Cassie pumpkin time. And I, honestly, I mean, pumpkin. it, is, it yeah. is midnight, um, which may not be the case when you're listening to this episode. Likely not. Time works very differently in the outside podcast recording world. Chase won't actually put this up for weeks to come, so now is not the now for you. Now is never the now. Actually, I was I was just checking on when this will be coming out. This episode will be coming out while Cassie and I are in Medford. Oh, you guys are going to so, be in Oregon. So the now yeah. for you now is probably at a time in which Chase isn't even in the state of Ohio. To make sure that it gets... I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you? I do. Okay. Is um, it because the internet is a series of tubes? They stretch to Medford. Yeah. Because I get internet messages from Tyler Ward, who lives in Medford. Is it electronic mail? Yes. The, well, instant messages. So I know the tubes make it all the way How instantaneous is it? I am i don't know. I don't know how long it takes them to type them, but it is fairly accurate as far as like... If Up I to 160 characters? Oh, yes. If I type something back to him and then he types something back to me, it, it happens relatively quickly. What are we doing? <laughs> We actually, well, I, what I was trying to do was get to the close out of this episode because I think we've covered... When Ryan is tired, he's easily distracted. <laughs> what, what I, I think we've covered everything that we had thought to talk about and even, even some things that maybe yeah. we hadn't thought to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and I, I think we'll actually end up referencing back to Richard II as we move forward throughout the Well, absolutely, with, because... With four, one, four, two, five. And then as we move on into six, technically the the weird thing about this tetralogy is that six is not considered part of the tetralogy. Is that because it would take it beyond five? Well, because it's it's counting number of plays, and actually they only count four plays. Then it's but, not a <laughs> son of a bitch. What I what I consider what I consider the tetralogy to be is Richard the Second. Through Richard the Third. Are you making up fucking animals? No, which is well, no, that's that's five. <laughs> I'm not fucking any animals, Beth. That's five characters. The plays are named after. So you have Richard the Second, Henry the Fourth, Henry the Fifth, Henry the Sixth, and Richard the Third. That's more than five plays, or less than five plays. I know, no it's matter five, how it's you five, split it's it. five main characters, <sighs> Beth. Five main characters. I don't fuck animals. Well, you don't build walls either. But as I've I, built plenty of walls. <laughs> I mentioned to Chase... They don't call you Ryan the Wall Builder. I mentioned to Chase earlier today that this play feels to me 
like he had Henry IV and Henry V that he really wanted to write and he really wanted to talk about. And then this play was kind of there just to be like, so where did this Henry guy come from? And well, it's like, well, is, he, wrote, he wrote Richard III before this. Yeah. Well, it, Two years before he wrote this play, he wrote Richard III. So oftentimes he's able to put, like, for instance, we know what happened to Edward III starting this play because it's kind of in the play. I mean, that's what the Duchess of Gloucestershire told us about. Mm-hmm. Gloucester. There's not five plays. You need to shut up now. So No, but there's five characters. No. Richard II, Henry IV, Henry V, Henry VI, Richard III. For someone who used to be a part of debate club, he should learn that you can't refute your own refutation by changing your complete argument. No, I told you that I didn't refer to it as a tetralogy based off of All the right. number All right. of plays. All right. All right, children. 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 <laughs> Cassie said children. All right. So you can't call me children's child. So often he's able to like wrap up what happened with the last king or whatever mm-hmm. in somewhere somewhere in the first yeah that. somewhere in the first act or so. But there's a lot that happens with Richard and an uprising and the nobles coming in. And he never covers. It does get covered. There's a whole well, not the peasants' scene. revolt, not the peasants' revolt, but the rising of the nobles against. Yeah, the, yeah, okay, yeah, the nobles, so, but yes. So it makes sense to have a separate play for it. So I could see where he had like yeah. Henry IV set up and Henry V. It's like, but Henry IV, but I can't fit that into this. I gotta explain thing. how Henry IV yeah. actually became Henry IV. So let me write Richard. So I'm not I'm not super familiar with part one. When I go through and I reread it again, I'm gonna really focus on Act One. And like how much of the setup do you give me here? Or did you rewrite this play to give me some setup for that? Well Richard Richard the Second clearly went through rewrites by the time it was published in the first folio. Mm Mm-hmm. Clearly went through rewrites by the time it was published in the first folio. Because the quarto editions that came out in 1597, 1598, are different than what is released in the first folio in 1623. Oh, 1623. That's the time. That would mean it was 423 <laughs> in the afternoon. It's very tiring. Mm. <laughs> well, I think uh, the consensus in the room is that everyone is tired. Mm. Yes. And we've I'm talked a lot. We've talked a lot about Richard. Out. We've talked a lot. We've talked almost two and a half hours about Richard the Second. Ryan, how could you let us talk so long? That's what? Chase. Don't, don't. That's Chase. It's all green. Okay. To be fair, like fifteen minutes of that is about poop. You're yeah. gonna cut that. And right? it's been like two hours. You're probably gonna cut that, right? I, no, he's not. He's not gonna cut the poop. We'll song. Would you say? Would you say it's a crapshoot whether or not you're gonna ah, cut it or not? Ah, ah, ah. And okay. on that note, I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Beth Rollers. I'm Ryan Hatfield. I'm Chase Greenlee. It's late. Good night, John Boy. What, Paul? What about that rich baby? Just turn it off. I love me some rich baby. <laughs> <laughs>